Hi, I'm Andy Peregrine from Modiphius, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris and Peter talk about the Nodes dungeon design system from the Dungeon Delver's Guide. In the news, Mork Borg has an official free version. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is coming to San Diego Comic-Con. Apotheosis Studios releases a statement and more. Plus, a brand new sketch about some of the more esoteric class choices. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This podcast is sponsored by Borfindel's Dwarf Spirits. Guaranteed to blow your head off. I, I mean, really. I've seen it. One sip and boom. I'm not entirely sure I see the point, but they seem quite popular. Anyway, order Borfindel's Dwarf Spirits now at the introductory price of 14 groats per gallon and get a pint of Goblin Spittle for free. All the tabletop role-play news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ. And with me this week is... Peter Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, it is a delight to be here. And yet I find, on this day, this Friday, this glorious day, this day of sunshine and roleplaying happiness, that a certain shadow has touched my heart. Aww. Yes. I don't have the illuminating presence of Jess Hancock, who... It's so awesome that she gets amazing introductions even when she isn't here. I will say that Jess was despondent, disappointed, and clearly... Desolate. Clearly <laughs> bereft without her introduction last week. Yeah. It was a, a sad, sad day. Sad times, man. Sad times. Yeah. 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 I did quite enjoy yeah. the podcast last week, although I hadn't realised you were going to do such a topical sketch. I literally cannot remember the sketch we did. It, you, you, it, it was uh, the Tory leadership elections. Uh, you go through Lord Soth, Darth Vader. Oh, right, right, right. It was the party. Yes, okay, gotcha, gotcha. gotcha hey, gotcha. edgy political yes. humour, only here on yes. Morris's official tabletop RPG talk. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we, do not have, we do not have a Jess this week. Okay. But we do have a Peter. That's true. Yeah. And we have a Russ. It feels like you're trying to avoid each other now. <laughs> well, that's what you said. Wait, we could tag in. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. But we will plough on, nevertheless. Absolutely. Toot, toot. Let's do an awfully cheerful question. What? We have an awfully cheerful question. Yeah, so this one is from the Instagrams. The Instagrams? Yes, just had to pass me this one because I didn't understand how to use the Instagrams, but just pass me this awfully cheerful question from Geordie the Bevan. Oh, hello, Geordie the Bevan. Thank you for your question. And Geordie the Bevan would like to know. Yes. I've been a player for a while okay. and will be GMing D&D for some new players. Woo! My question is, should I homebrew a world or use an existing one? Both options seem like a lot of work. Just wondering what would be the best to do. Thanks for the show. So, hmm. Jordy doesn't make it clear whether or not this is their first time GMing hmm. or just for these players. Hmm. Um, I suspect but, okay. it is a first time GMing because otherwise yeah. why ask. Yeah. Okay, so what you want to go first, Peter? What do you think? What's your, what's your answer to this question? Uh, well, it depends upon your budget, but 
I find if you go online, you can get stuff like the first series of Adventures League for free. And that, if you're inexperienced or unsure about GMing, is really great value for me. Partly because you can download a lot of them for free. And then a lot of them are like two, three dollars. And what they do is they give you a full adventure. It's got a fighty bit, a car, uh, an exploration bit, and a chatty bit. Uh, the three pillars, as they're known. And with these, they're all self-contained. They've got various levels for the fights. So they sort of adjust them according to which level. You can even have a mixed party level. I don't recommend that in any way. They normally say they're about three, four hours. But honestly, that is like... That is that you, you, you will get at least eight to 12 hours, depending upon how your party role play. Because if you properly get your teeth into it, you can go to it, you can get off it. And you know, if you're running for new players, they are designed as introductions, like the introductory starting adventures. They're like one hour little snacky things, and yeah, they're, they're, they're fun basically. I recommend if you don't go with the free stuff, you got a little bit, you got a bit of money throughout it. The start of season seven adventures league has a dinosaur race around an arena and a dinosaur cage fight in one adventure if you stack all all of them together you take them up to level two very happily and they also get to do all sorts of shenanigans uh yeah so that's my recommendation okay but his question was should he home through a world or use an existing one well i mean myself so- <laughs> what, what, what i would do is i would get the character concepts and then I would use the fact that I have read a lot of books to uh, completely homebrew a world based on. So you go with homebrew, okay? That, that that that's what I do. But like other people who are not me, I'd say just use Adventures League if you're not sure, because it's easy. Okay. So my answer to it is yes. I agree that both of those options are work. Yes. Um, using an existing world setting is more work than it sounds because you then have to basically mm. do a bunch of homework and learn that setting. Yes. I hate homework. So my suggestion is to homebrew a world, yes. but start small. Mm, mm, yes. So this is the way I like to do it. You start really, really small, like a village with like maybe a goblin there outside, something tiny. Yeah, yeah. You don't really need to know what's beyond the borders of that until yeah. it comes up. Exactly. Start small. Mm-hmm. As players ask you questions, just make it up, write it down so that you know. <laughs> so, so that you know, okay, I mentioned that there is a kingdom of uh, minotaurs over there. Okay, <laughs> remember that. And yeah, just start small and just expand it as you need it. Yeah. One And that's not that much work then. And yeah. yeah, it's just yeah, it's just a really, really easy way to manage it. You don't need to know, you know, what type of wine the elven ruler in a far off land prefers to drink. Until it becomes relevant. You know, you don't you don't need yeah. to develop an entire world yeah. for first level characters because they're only yeah. going to interact with a tiny corner of yeah. it. Yeah, I mean you'll see that a lot in published settings and modules and so forth. But mm. that's true of homebrewing. Like settings and modules are for people to pick up and learn. Mm. You the only things that have to be finished, right? <laughs> Are the bits the players are looking at? Are they going to see? Yeah, exactly. But it's like it's like if you've got ten dollars like, to spend on something, like, you spend it video. all on player facing stuff. Yeah, you know, like those video games that only render the bits you're looking at. Yes, and the rest of it doesn't exist. Yes, that's so it's kind 100%. of like that. Yeah, yeah, it's so that's why. That's, that. Yeah, that's like, exactly what I would say to do. If the players aren't looking at it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. Yeah, I, I say, does it even matter if they're not looking at it? I mean, maybe if you rely <laughs> on something you go use later, it might matter then. But generally. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah to keep a notebook handy just in case you're forced to no. make something up. Just note down what you made up for future reference. Yeah, I mean, just in case your players. I mean, you know, 
Like our Thursday night gaming group wouldn't have a clue to get Hey, Nick, hey, clutch. Wrote stuff down. But some, some, some gaming groups will, in fact, remember what you said previously several weeks before. So, you know, write, write it down just in case. It, it's why I'm a nightmare to GM for, because I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I wrote it down. They're like, no, why would you do such a thing? I'm like, I'm sorry. I just really liked your story. No! <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, an amazing tip, which I have struggled to put into practice because it's not been my custom, which I really like, is do a recap, right? Not at the start of the session but at the end of the session. And mm. that is a really good way to make sure you've captured what happened in the session and things that the players thought were significant. Yeah. Because yeah. if you I miss mean, something this, this out is... and they say, oh, yeah, what about this thing? Then you know, right? Yeah. That was something that stuck with the player and that's so important. Because a lot this is very, yeah. it's all just I mean, like This is, this is very much going off, off the topic of the question now, but we did, yeah. um, I was in a group that did the same thing, but it was... Ooh. Um the GM would pick one person and say, yeah. Hey Bob, would you care to recap what happened last week? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that's that's a fairly common way of doing it. But that's that's yeah. way off the question that's been asked here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're drifting. Well, well yeah, re- recapping at the start of the session is very very normal yeah. and asking people to do it. Although obviously there is so many new people coming, people have very different levels of confidence about doing that sort of thing. Some mm. love it and you can try it out their cold dead hands and other people will hide under the table or develop a sudden need to go to the loo if you ask them. Mm. So yeah, you have to play it by ear. But yeah. it sounds amazing. Introducing new players to a game is one of my favourite things to do because they have no idea what cannot be done. Mm. They're like Okay. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Let's go with crazy shit. I love it. I love yeah. it. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, I want to I want to grab onto it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so no. so George of the Bevan, I hope that at some point in the last 10 minutes we somehow answered your question. I think we may have touched on it at some point. We did our best. Look, look my friend, quantity has a quality all of its own, and that was a high quantity answer. It was kind of the, scat- it was kind of the scattergun approach. Answer lots and lots of questions, and one of them is possibly going to be the one that you asked. <laughs> We're nothing if not thorough. Um... If you would like your question answered on the show, oh. send us a question. Yes. Tag us on the socials, all of the socials, with uh, awfully hashtag awfully cheerful question, or send your question to morrispodcast at gmail.com. If we answer your question, we will send you a free copy, soft cover copy of the Awfully Cheerful Engine. Uh, Georgie the Bevan, if you could just drop us a note with your address, we'll get that straight out to you. And now it's time for the news. All that with one breath. That was all one breath. Did you like that? Yeah, I was impressed by your breath control. <laughs> Did you used to be an oboist? A whatist? An oboist. Like a trombonist, but oboe. Oboe? Oboist. Yes. Oh, right. Did I used to be an oboist? No, I did not. Oh, okay. No. So, okay. so, so you're an Obi-Wan fan, but not an oboe fan. Understood. Right. So, <laughs> I'm not even going to deign to acknowledge that you said that. <laughs> Have you ever... We've talked about Morkborg quite a few times, haven't we? Uh, we have. I've never played it, but it does look like a lot of. Have, have, have you got it or, see, or seen it? Uh, I've seen it. It's got a very intense design aesthetic. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think I've actually held a physical copy. Okay. No. Well, you can download a free copy now. Oh, really? And this is called like the, a free kind of, they call it a bare bones edition. Mm, mm, mm. So it does have a lot of that kind of iconic graphic design and all that artwork removed from the book. Mm, mm. But it's free. So you get you get this sort of bare bones version of the game along with the introductory adventure, which is called Rock Black Sludge, mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, so I mean, I'm just going to read what they how they describe the game because I think they can do it better than I can. They've had time to think about how to say this. <laughs> so, <laughs> Morkborg, or it's, I think it's Merk, it's M O with an M like Merkberg, is Ooh, a yeah. doom metal album of a game, a spiked <laughs> flail to the face, rules light, heavy, everything else. This is the bare bones edition, free, almost artless. Hey. And the typography and graphic design turned down from 11 all the way to a sensible 4.5. Times New Roman. Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, there's so, there's, we, we tend to, like, especially when we do the Kickstarter stuff, there yeah. tends to be something on there for Morkborg every week. So yeah, it's got yeah. a, quite a robust third party industry surrounding that game. Yeah. No, I love it. It's, um, it sounds fun. Nice quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and now you can get it for free. And then if you like it, you can go and buy the actual real thing. So yeah. you can get it from itch, itch.io yeah. for free. And then if you like it, you can go and buy the actual full fledged, full fat, turned yeah. up to 11 version of the game. <laughs> While your speakers go up to 11. Sometimes yes. you just need to. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> oh, that's one of the best jokes in history, that. Absolutely. Mm. So, uh, I think we need to talk about Apotheosis Studios again. Ascendant to Godhood. Oh, is this um, them two people? Um, Satine, yeah. Them two people. Satine Phoenix yeah. and Jameson Stone. So we talked about it a few weeks ago. If we must, if we must. Yeah. yeah. So just as a quick recap, they and their company were accused of multiple things, generally... Um, mistreatment, uh, abuse, and non-payment of freelancers. Yeah, like just stories of acting like the most entitled yeah. celebrities to ever slip. Yeah, uh. right. So, 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 so. If you remember, Jameson Stone stepped down as CEO of Protheosis Studios probably about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a couple of, not long ago. Okay. That was part of the original news I yeah, stepped yeah. down. He's back in place now. That so, lasted like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that's the sign of sincere and long-lasting change. Stop it for so, a little bit and then start straight yeah. up again. Absolutely. Well, the, yeah, the yeah. company is, as far as I can make out, only three full-time employees. Yes. There was a statement that uh, they've made. Yes. Now, Dicebreaker, the site, managed to obtain a draft of this statement, and the statement that was actually released has been changed since that draft. Mm-hmm. Only in a few places... But basically, there was some um, talk about ramifications of cancel culture in it and things like that, which were removed from the final statement. So the, f- the first statement okay. was edited down to be a little less ranty, I think. Is, uh, I hear a lot of stuff about cancel culture. Like, it's not doing a very good job. Like, these people are supposed to be cancelled. Maybe I should, I could not hear from them. They would know that they had been cancelled. As opposed yeah. to this loud complaining about being cancelled. Yeah, well, they are they are kind of winding down the company now. Okay. Um, so by winding down, it doesn't mean they're actually closing the company, but they're going okay. into a sort of low production mode. So they're gonna they're gonna finish the Kickstarter obligations that they have, right? And uh, get those products sent out. They will not be issuing refunds to anybody on Kickstarters that has demanded that their pledges be cancelled and they get refunds, which after all this came out, a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. To, to that bit, I have a little bit of sympathy there. Mm. Yeah. To that bit, because they, you know, what, you know, at, at the point where they've collected the money and they've started doing and they've spent the money on things. the thing, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they physically can't do that. So I, I do have some sympathy for that. 
That's, uh, you, that's... you have basically spent the money at this point, and it's annoying, yeah. but it is what it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there's, there's a... Uh, I'm not going to read out the full statement. Thank you. But there's a, a full statement, and I, uh, I I covered it on Ian World, so um, I put the whole statement there, which yeah, they, yeah. They, they released, um, and mentioned the kind of differences between that and the draft statement. But basically, that's what's happening. They're kind of winding down, but winding down, they're going into a kind of low production mode. They're not closing the company. I mean, you could just say they're going to lie low for a bit of rest. That would mean exactly the same thing. You use a lot less um, words. I suppose so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is what Jameson Stone said when asked about the company's future. He said, "As it stands, and I don't know what the future will hold. It's just a company that is there. It just exists and sells books. Some of my books. Some books by other people. It will sell the Red Opera and eventually Sirens." All of the people who are there are just contracted at this point. Okay. Hmm. Um, and they do say that most, if not all, of the freelancers and contributors have been paid, but I think a couple of people on Twitter are saying, no, they haven't been. <laughs> oh, okay. So I know, I know, I mean, they're, as part of the statement, they've, they've literally released an accounting of all the writers and artists they paid. Yeah. Awesome. They've listed like writers, 22 writers paid 10 cents a word, artists for, you know, so they've listed, they've listed, all that. I mean, that, so, that's nice, but I, I don't know that I think it particularly virtuous to pay yourself. I think that is something uh, that you should... No, uh, no. I mean, what, 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 doing. So, so, so this, is, this, is, this is the thing, though. So what they are claiming yes. is that most of the allegations... So Apotheosis Studios did an internal... This is, this is their statement. I'm reading it out. Right. Uh, um, so while Jameson Stone did step down as CAO to take personal time, yeah. while Apotheosis Studios did an internal investigation, bear in mind there's yeah. three employees there and two of them are the... Two, the is he, is he not married to one then? <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the allegations brought forth by numerous individuals, we in no way claimed we were removing Jameson from the company. Having completed our internal investigation, we have found that while some individuals had legitimate complaints, the vast majority of the allegations to date levied against Jameson and others on our team have proven to be inaccurate. So they're, d- they're denying most of it, basically. Okay. Yeah. And that's that. That's the news on that. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, <laughs> that's what's happened. Uh, I, I'm sorry. The Gallic shrug that I am doing is <laughs> a lot more useful to you than his to our listener at home. But like, yeah, just basically imagine like my 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 shoulders are by my ears at this point. Have a shrug and say, <laughs> "Okay, yeah, yeah. whatever." Do we have, do we have any good news? Uh, oh, I've got, got some odd news. news about. Oh, go on then. You go first. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, so I was hanging around on the twitters the other day, Ooh, and by the other day, a good idea. Well, well brave. I, I just get, I just get bored, Russ. I just get bored. And I saw a fantastic tweet by, uh, what is your username? Do Arc Dragon Breath. And what they are doing is they are saying that they want to, they appear to be some sort of streamer and they mm-hmm. are wondering, uh, about running an all black D&D game. Mm-hmm. So that looks like the sort of a uh, streaming thing that they want to get out there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Arc Dragon Breath, that's A-R-C-D-R-A-G-N-E-R-E-T-H, would like a DM on Twitter. Um, if you are a person and you'd like to play D&D. Okay. I presume for streaming purposes. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So, we've got this odd story here about with Catalyst Game Labs, who produce uh, Battletech. Oh, yeah. So. And a fan site. Hmm. 
So there is a fans fan group called Everything Battletech. Okay. And they have abruptly rebranded to be called Everything Sci-Fi, saying this was following a conversation with Catalyst Game Labs about oh. licensing issues. Oh, okay. Catalyst Game Labs have made a statement saying, hang on, while we did have a conversation, yes. at no point did we ask them to do that or anything like that. We were just chatting, guys. It's like... <laughs> we were, we are quite, you know, they're basically saying we're quite happy with the name. It's fine. What, yeah. what they were saying is that, um, uh, Callus Game Labs co- uh, contacted the owner of Everything Battletech because the Battletech rights holder, so, uh, mm-hmm. Catalyst Game Labs doesn't own Battletech, it, uh, licenses hmm. it. Yeah, it's kind of weird. There's a, a company called Fanatics. Right. Which, which according to Daryl's article here is a sportswear and memorabilia company. And they actually own both Battletech and Shadowrun. Which <laughs> is bizarre. And so RPG company, wait, um, wait, wait, Catalyst Russ. Game Labs has licensed it. Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me this means it's possible for me to get cool Shadowrun style sh- swag that I could go around in, like, you know, have, like hoodies and stuff like that? I don't know that they've actually done that. But it sounds like it should be. Why are they not doing that? Like, <laughs> just bring back yeah. all that pseudo slang from the nineties. Because mm. I want to like have a big sweat, big a big hoodie, right, with no perspiration chiller version like that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I mean that that is so retro. My teeth are hurting the sweet, sweet retroness of it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I just uh, I, I distracted you. Please continue. Yeah. So, well, that's basically it. I mean. Yeah. The- Fan community has changed its name. Cutlass Game Lab has said we never asked them to do that. Right. Um, no other fan community has um, said that they've had any contact with Catalyst Game Labs or anything like that about this sort of thing. Catalyst Game Labs was just saying that you know they were reaching out to some of their communities yes. just to tell them that they'd heard from the rights holders. Yes, and that you know um, nobody's asked for anything to be done, but the rights holders may have expressed some concerns about the way the IP was being used online. But at the same time, nobody's um, asked anyone to do anything. They're just starting a dialogue. So it seems right, like maybe right. it's a bit of an overreaction. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it may be that someone read it and was like, oh, my God, lawyers, run! Got the wrong end of the stick, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or maybe they just fancy being about everything sci-fi, which is a which is a much bigger domain than everything Battletech. Mm. Much though I like big, stompy robots. Yeah. Uh, like I, uh, I like big, stompy robots, too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, well, I mean, keep an eye on that and see what happens. It sounds to me like there was just kind of a misunderstanding. Yeah. <gasps> or oh. somebody overreacted, but I don't know. You could you could write uh, an awfully cheerful engine conversion for Big Stompy Robots. Big fact, Stompy like I would call it Big Stompy Robots. Oh, there we go. Can I license the name from you, Peter? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Buy me, uh, buy, buy me, buy, buy me a pint next time we're going to talk about that. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> uh, that is a legally binding contract now. Yeah, that's fine. You said it out loud. I, I, I mean, you're acting like I don't want big zombie robots <laughs> to be a thing, <laughs> which I think we had already established that I in fact do. I think it's a very good idea. Yeah. An excellent idea. Author Chiffle Engine number 10, Big Stompy Robots. Sounds like Ooh. it should be a thing. So, I want to talk about some TSR stuff. Not that TSR. But not that TSR. The real TSR from back in the 80s and oh, 70s. Oh, thank goodness. Right. And 90s, for that matter. Um, okay. Yes. So it's uh, yeah, Ben the, Riggs. The, is... the TSR that made games. Yes. Yeah, that TSR. <laughs> the TSR actually did make d d Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So. 
<laughs> so, Ben Riggs, yeah, um, his book Slaying the Dragon mm-hmm. is coming out next month. Nice. Uh, did we mention this last week? I can't remember. You weren't here last week. How did uh, you know? I, I, I actually listened to the podcast. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember you doing so, but that means nothing. Okay, that yeah. doesn't mean anything, no. Yeah. Um, anyway, this is a history of TSR era D&D. Oh, nice. And it delves into sort of what happened at TSR, why it failed. Yeah. Um, the Wizards of the Coast buying, you know, the whole, the whole, the whole tribunal. Um, it's been working on it for years. Yeah. And it looks really fun. I've got, I've pre-ordered a copy. I can't wait. But anyway, that's by the by. Um, he's basically releasing all these statistics basically as a way to drum up interest in the book, which is kind of a cool way to do it. Yeah, sounds the, the stats are interesting. So, he has released the sales figures. He's got he's got holds of loads of documents, yeah. basically. So, he's made this so, sorry, I, I'm laughing because this is like the only hobby... This is this is a hobby where you can say things like stats are interesting with a straight face. And I'll sit there and nod and I'll be like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. They've got loads of sales figures, you said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, basically, sales figures going from 1979 up to 1995. Okay, nice, nice. Of, of both the basic D&D game mm-hmm. and advanced D&D first edition. Yes, yeah, nice. And what's interesting is basic D&D, even after advanced D&D first edition had been released, out, pretty much outsold AD&D over that period. Ooh. It sold about, coming up to three and a half million copies in total of basic D&D, whereas Ooh. AD&D, under three million. I mean, I say under three million, like that's not much. It is a lot. Like, it's an awful lot. But it, yeah. basic D&D sold a lot more. Yeah. yeah. Which I mean, surprises me. Yeah, it does. Um, he says he's going to continue um, posting sales figures over the next few days. Yes. Um, like for second edition, mm-hmm. things like that. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see how that compares as well. Because mm-hmm. generally the common wisdom, as I feel like, always been each edition's outsold the previous edition. Yeah. But it's showing that that's not, that's not necessarily true. So AD&D didn't outsold uh, basic D&D. No. How to... Yeah, well, and 5e has outsold 4e, I think. That's the, <laughs> and everything else. Well, well, I think well, there's no yeah, yeah, yeah. dispute there. 5e's just outsold <laughs> the world. Uh, yeah. 4e definitely didn't outsold... 3 I don't know. So, I mean... It, I, it didn't do badly. I think 4e did actually do quite well. It just yeah. didn't meet expectations. Yeah, but the expectations were quite high. So, yeah, yeah, I think it had unrealistically high expectations yeah. was the problem. Yeah, yeah um, it, it may, it may, have, it may. Have, I'm not sure. I'm not oh, sure. Okay. Well, I mean, it didn't. It did not not sell. Put it that way. No, no I mean, no. It it, it it wasn't the failure that I have always been told it was when no. I was young. And, no. no, I mean, it, it's 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 perfectly okay game. Um, no. I quite enjoyed the tiny bits of it. I had to play. It's just generally the DM has fallen over. <laughs> mm. but, yeah. Right. Oh, right. Okay. So, you know, um, um, San Diego Comic Con? Not well, but yes. It's a thing that exists. I believe that. It's in San Diego. Interesting. Rumours have it. Is it something to do with comics? Uh, no, no. It's a, oh, okay. uh, it's a, a, a central heating sales venue. Oh, okay. Uh, so quite well attended then. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it's uh, is as you say the world's biggest, I think. Wow, um, comic convention. I think it is the Comic Con is what you're trying to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. So this year on Thursday the twenty first of June, July, even June's <laughs> in the past, yeah. July. Yes, you will be able to experience a tavern experience oh. at Comic Con promoting the upcoming D and D movie Honor Among Thieves. 
Okay. So they've built a tavern. Yes. And it's going to be like a 20-minute experience where you can interact with D&D monsters and characters. Uh-huh. Uh, additionally, you can try both alcoholic and non-alcoholic versions of a drink called Dragon Brew. <laughs> okay. Sounds lovely. Yeah. I think it sounds like one of my house parties, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and... um Additionally, on that day, during the convention, the film's cast will be on stage, and fans will get a sneak peek of the movie. So that's yeah. Thursday the 21st of July, so that's really soon. That's in like two weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Very yeah. quick. Yeah. So if you're at Comic-Con and you want to you wanna see a quick preview of the D&D movie, that is how you do it. Yeah. It sort of sounds a bit like a very short secret cinema experience. Very short, yes. Yeah. 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 Just Dragon Brew sounds lovely. Do we know what's in Dragon Brew? We do not. No. Do we want to know? <laughs> uh, I'm expecting a bit of dry ice, but what can yeah. I say? I think we kind of finished the news now. Yeah. It's Barrows and Barrows time. Do you have your character ready? Uh, not quite. I'm, I'm not quite settled on my character class yet. Oh, uh, maybe I could help. What are you thinking of? Well, I've got this new book, see, and um, it has this whole bunch of new player options in it. Oh, man, I just love how Barrows and Barrels just keeps getting better. I know, right? Anyway, my initial instinct uh, was to go for the Quizard. Uh, what now? Uh, the Quizard. It's, it's like a wizard, but um, it deals with its enemies by asking an increasingly complex series of trivia questions. No, that's just silly. No, I don't want to see any Quizards in this campaign. Oh, you're no fun. It's not about fun. It's about verisimilitude. There, are, there weren't a game show hosts in the Fellowship of the Rick, were there? Fine. Well, okay. There's also the dentist. I know Barrows and Barrels, 403rd edition, is a little more simulationist than the previous iteration, but I'm pretty sure oral hygiene is a step too far. Oral hygiene is important. Absolutely it is, but it's hardly fodder for a heroic high fantasy adventure. What else do you have there? Uh, there's the corpse. Okay, the corpse, and that is... Oh, it's just a dead guy? No. Uh, the clown? No! The pacifist. Okay, interesting. T- tell me more. It's a class which refuses to engage in any combat whatsoever. What? Not even in self-defense? Nope. It must resort to wordplay and generosity of spirit. Oh, okay. And uh, how, pray tell, do you feel that such a character would fare against the demonic cause of Asperath? Oh, I see your point. But you can't say no to everything. I'm keeping an open mind, but so far this new book of yours is not exactly impressing me. Okay, well, there's the Stan, the Sans Serif, and the Spoon Druid. Then the Spoon Druid is? It's like a Moon Druid, uh, but with spoons, yes. I don't even know how that makes sense. Look, are there any classes there which have at least a vague passing acquaintance with plausibility? What about the Exploder? Uh, so it makes the enemies explode in a ball of fire? No, it just uh, explodes. Themselves? Yep. Yeah. <sighs> okay, okay. I'll concede that's probably a short-lived class. What about the Brad? Being Bart. No, no, Brad. Keep going. We've got to reach the end of this ridiculous farce at some point. I don't know what you mean. don't know what I mean. Every single so-called class that you mentioned has been completely lacking in credibility. What's next? The late sleeper. Perhaps you'd like to play a mine. Well, there's this one, the indefinite article. I don't dare even ask. Look, what's wrong with the regular classes? You know, the fighter, the rogue, the wizard, 
they're just a bit boring. The game has moved on, you know. Players expect a bit more variety in their character options. Mate, there is a line between variety and complete absurdity. And you, my friend, are way over that line. Fine, fine. I'll play a fighter, then. A character who fights. How original. (sighs) That makes it a bit more believable. Right, let's begin. You enter the dungeon and find yourself confronted with... Ooh, ooh, what? A giant, brightly coloured snail, with four tentacles, tipped with mace-like clubs. And this bizarre-looking creature is called... A flail snail. You've got to be kidding me. What? Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We just wanted to mention our Patreon. Peter, are you familiar with our Patreon? Oh, is it uh, patreon.com slash Morris? Yes. M-O-R-R-U-S. At patreon.com forward slash Morris, you can find our Patreon, which is what pays for our podcast and buys us all these wonderful microphones and mixers and other little bits and pieces. And wires, so many wires. And all these wires. Uh, We have a load of wonderful Patreon backers at the moment. And those backers get... We cherish you all. Yes, we do cherish them very much. And those backers get bonus content every single week, just as a thank you for for backing our Patreon. And because they're so awesome and so quick off the mark, they also get to talk to us in our Discord channel, which is pretty good. Mm. And we're sometimes even deign to answer that. Uh, but even more importantly, when we have guests coming onto the show, they have the opportunity to ask questions of those guests. Um, mm. And then we will pass on the questions that we think we, our guests will answer. So please, if you do enjoy the podcast, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Morris. Link will be in the show notes. Yes. And support us, even with just a dollar a month. Every little, every little bit helps. Should we talk about nodes? Do you want to talk about nodes? Uh, I would love talking about nodes. Talking about nodes. So, on the Level Up website is a yes. preview of yes. the Dungeon Delver's Guide's nodes system. Yes. Which is a system which helps you stock your dungeons, basically. Yes. Um, can you remember the five elements of nodes? Yeah, sure. It's novelty, yes. obstructions, discoveries... Uh, escalations and set pieces. Yes, except obstructions is obstacles, but same thing. Yeah, yeah, pretty similar. So yes, so these are these are how you stock your dungeon yeah. with various different things, which will make it interactive and exciting and interesting to play in. Well, it's 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 more than that, but its its primary focus is dungeons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so novelties include so there's examples of each so novelties mm-hmm. is basically your dungeon should have something to make it stand out from other dungeons yes. so there's examples like it might be on a grand scale mm. like, like Moria or something Yeah. or uh, it might be really bright you know you think mm. of dungeons as dank dark things what if it's like full of phosphorescent moss and glowing crystals and stuff and uh, all like it, 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 it can be a natural dungeon and having a whole room full of faintly glowing phosphorescent purple fungi. Yeah. Or you come out so, into a massive space and there is a completely still pitch black lake. Yeah. So 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 novelties is things that just make the dungeon stand out and it's like, oh wow, okay. Yeah, the the idea is you're inserting magic 
into world and not in the sense of mechanical it but in the have sense to of be wonder. magic no it doesn't yeah oh yeah sorry yeah in a, in a, yeah in the sense of, the wonder. Sense of wonder yeah, yeah basically yeah. cool shit that makes you go wow it's probably a novelty yeah so then we have obstacles yes so obstacles come in various forms you yes. get locks you get puzzles you get traps yes. are the three big forms but you know, it's, uh, yeah, as it, many types of obstacles as you can think of. Obstacles is something that gets in the way. I mean, yes. once, yeah. once you grasp the essence of it, then that's why I'm saying it's so much more than dungeon design, because it could be you have an NPC who is acting as an obstacle. Yeah. So the important thing about obstacles yes. is that every obstacle should have multiple ways to bypass it, because there's nothing oh. worse just on a simple level. Imagine you come to a locked door in a dungeon and nobody can make the roll to open it, and the DM is like, ah, oh, okay, game's over then, I guess. So you can't, you can't, you can't bottleneck an adventure behind no. an obstacle. This is, this is a thing that I have with video games. Mm. I always get to a bit mm. that I can't do. Mm. And then I give up on the game because I've tried it 20 times and I can't do it. And the thought of trying it one more time is, and, you know, you or, shouldn't bottleneck a game yeah. around a single thing yeah. that someone might not be able to do. Yeah. So even if it's a locked door, there has to be some way to get through that door. Yes. Even if, yeah, if they might pick the lock, they might break it down, they might find a key, they might solve a puzzle to open it, whatever. There's going to be multiple ways to get through that door. So, yeah. Although the nature of doors and keys is one which actually you just need to think about a bit more. So, for instance, if you come across a steel plate that is completely blocking a corridor and there's no hinges or anything like that, and then you also come across in a pit a rust monster, I would argue mm. you have found a door and a key to that door. Exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's discoveries. Yes. Discoveries are often the keys to open a door, yeah. and by keys, yes, that includes maybe a lust monster for a steel door, or mm-hmm. key doesn't have to be a physical key. Yes. The treasure, obviously, yeah. everyone likes finding treasure. I believe that from what Paul wrote, it would be that you have keys, treasures, and secrets. Are there three... Uh, keys, treasure, social interaction, and secrets, four things. Yeah, sure. Oh, they're just the most common types. That's, you know, this again, it's, it's not an exhaustive list. That's why I slightly, I feel it's like you know, you're gilding the lily at this point. But it is essentially, yeah. I mean, ha- a social interaction on its own is a bit of a what is that, which doesn't mm. really lend itself well to no analysis. It's the point of the social interaction, which might be something else. So I, you know, I, I, I feel that's like yeah, you know, you're, you're adding stuff in, but anyway, but yeah, this yeah, secret. I think what he's trying to say here is the social interaction is a reward in itself sometimes, though. Uh, absolutely. Uh, in which case, that would be a treasure, I would say. Yeah. But, yeah, okay, I'm not going to tell Paul how to write his own analysis, but I, I think it's... Okay. We're quibbling over words at this point. We, 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 are, we are playing semantic word <laughs> yes. games, which yeah. is, when you're talking about design, something that happens a lot. But, yes. Yeah. So then we have the E, we have escalation. Yes. Which heightens the danger of the dungeon. Yes. And uh, there's different ways to do this. Mm. So um, you can have things which escalate the tension. Yes. So failing a stealth roll, yes. setting off an alarm, becoming aware of a time limit, yes. uh, entering a more dangerous a- a- uh, area, having yes. a social encounter that doesn't go well, yes. you know, arousing suspicions of guards. There's a lo- loads of ways that escalation can increase. Yes. And then you kind of have an escalation clock. Yes. Which increases. So at Pop, the bottom end, being a concept clock. from Blades in the Dark, which have become widely adopted through role playing as best practice. Yeah. For those listening. Um, so, so this, this was kind of based on the countdown dice pool. Yes, yes. So at the bottom end, you've got always well. The guards are just making perception checks with disadvantage because they're not that bothered. They're mm-hmm. sleeping. They're playing poker. They're doing whatever. 
You don't have to check for random encounters. Everything's, you know, yeah. nobody suspects anything. Yeah. Then you go through certain stages, like suspicions arise. So now the guards are making deception checks mm. normally. Um, if you're making deception checks, you're making them with disadvantage mm. because the guards are slightly suspicious now. You're starting to check for sentry patrols and things. Yeah. Then you've got, this is not a drill. So guards are now actively looking. Also, one of the things I particularly liked was you can assign levels to the dungeon. Because, of course, if ever there was a game in need of a thesaurus, it's Dungeons and Dragons, even still in the Advanced Fifth Edition. As in, you can have, like, grades of difficulty of the dungeon. So, for example, if I call, some, call something like a grade two or grade three dungeon, essentially the guards are a lot more active than they are in a grade one dungeon. Mm. And finally, we've got set pieces. Yes. And everyone loves um, a good set piece. Yeah, I mean, I've just been to tell people what that is. People know, yeah, I yeah, guess, what yeah, a set piece yeah, is, yeah, but... Yeah, yeah. you got your villain villain monologuing, or, like, you're creeping up and you find, like, that there's some sort of, like, evil ritual that you have to disrupt. That is your set piece, and yeah. that is... But it doesn't lovely. have to be a combat. It can be yeah. uh, an elite trap. So this concept of elite traps in here. And elite yes. traps work like entire combat encounters over a period of rounds. Well, well, yes, I mean, that's... And require of, multiple characters to do different things to beat them. Yeah, well, that, that's part of why I'm so impressed by the nose analysis. I really think it... Honestly, I'm not just saying that because I like Paul, but because, honestly, it is one of the best and smartest pieces of game design and yeah, analysis cool. that I've ever seen. Yeah. It's so smart. Yeah, and, and that book also contains, like, 50-odd pages. Yes. Of, and I've, I've been looking through them. They're fantastic. Yeah. It's like dungeon generation tables, all kind of nodes-driven. Oh. And... Yeah, so basically there's tables that you can, you can literally procedurally generate a dungeon as you go. <laughs> and it adheres to these nodes principles, so it's interesting, it's fun, you know. It is pretty cool. And I can imagine you could easily make a web app to do that for you as well, which would be kind of cool. Don't taunt me, Russ. Don't taunt <laughs> me. Oh, yeah, no, I am, I am so excited for that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like the nodes analysis is brilliant. You can apply it to a campaign. You can apply it to encounter. You can apply it to an NPC. You can apply it to adventures and stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's I just mean, all yeah. and it solves the problem of traps. Like not all traps have to be a set piece, obviously. Uh huh. But like sometimes I've come across like in older modules, there's things like oh, if you mess around with this, your hair will turn green. <laughs> and that is an example of a novelty trap mm. because it's just it's not there for anything else. I'm like, why is this in here? This annoys me. And basically, that uh, is adding magic to old. Strange things have happened because you're messing with the live wire of magical electricity, which you should definitely not lick. But you went ahead yeah. and had to be an adventure and did it anyway, and cool stuff is happening. So, yeah, if you design a trap in your dungeon and you lean into the nodes analysis and you go with, oh, what sort of trap is it? Oh, it's going to be more of an obstacle or more of a discovery or more of a novelty or more of a set piece or a combination, it's going to work and it's not going to suck. Yeah, so if you want to know more about that, you'll be able to find that in the Dungeon Devil's Guide coming out later this year. But there's, there's yes. a whole uh, preview article on levelup5e.com yeah. if, you want to, if you want to read that. You should, you should read that. As I say, it, I honestly, for me, it has uh, improved the way I GM. I'm quite looking forward to next. Have you seen any of the Underland Gazetteer? The Underland Gazetteer? Yes, that's a that's whole quarter of the book. So basically, oh. Underland is the world below the surface. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, D&D has its Underdark. Yes. Level Up has its Underland, but it's different to the Underdark, because mm. the Underdark's kind of... Legally distinct in every way. Well, no, it's, <laughs> it's very different, though. It's different. Okay, okay. So, basically, under under un, the Underdark kind of leans into the darkness of it. Okay. It's gloomy and dark and cramped and stuff. Yes. 
Whereas the Underland, you're thinking more like Alice in Wonderland. It's like wondrous. It's oh, like okay. full of seas and phosphorescence and mm. wondrous stuff. There's like there's like like loads of um, there's a gazetteer of a whole load of really exotic locations down there. Oh, like okay. uh, like this big carnival that exists down there, and Ooh. all these different things. It's colourful. It's not it's not it's not this gloomy thing with yeah. dark dwarves and stuff. It's bright and interesting. Interesting. Okay, no, I haven't seen that. That, but okay. Well, that is something I didn't know about. But that sounds like an exciting and yeah. pleasant surprise. And also, I I have seen like various hints at stuff like a sunless sea sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. I am. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the 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 PC game is not for me because that's not my how I, the sort of game I enjoy playing. But the story behind it, I am all about. I like, yeah, Whew. But, yeah, that's campaign territory right there. All right, I guess we're done then. Let's just get out of here. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Yeah, I mean, is it brewed from dragons or by dragons? Does it come in a whole bunch of different colours and shades? It sounds like it should do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, do you, do you want a gold dragon brew? Or maybe a silver one? So the red one would be quite spicy. Oh, so you're thinking a bit of a fireball c- cinnamon-flavoured whiskey? Probably want that to be... Cut. Oh, c- <laughs> no, I can't say that. <laughs> what, what, what can't you say? Fireball and Tizer. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> it would have the right colour. <laughs> it would. <laughs> I haven't heard the word Tizer since I was like nine. Does it even still exist? Maybe. You could use <laughs> Iron Brew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh.